When I was young, dumb, and full of hormones, I believed I could do anything, literally anything. I blame my parents for this. Despite, or perhaps because of my decision to quit senior school halfway through the penultimate year, and mid-class, mind you, I knew that I would wind up rich, powerful, and envied. G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms. Whether that's cutting coat on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. Eight months later, I realised I'd overreached by a continental margin. Wearing a cheap polyester suit and a $2 tie, I found myself instead on a bus to a job as a trainee clerk in a government-owned bank. (laughs) What a come down. I managed to regain some measure of ambition though, and within two years, I rose through the ranks to become the youngest trading bank examiner in the country. The next youngest was actually nine years my senior. However, the bank paid its employees on their age, not their role. So my hopes of rapid wealth remained a distant dream. My dalliance with banking, therefore, was brief. Over the years, I moved through different careers and vocations journalism, photography, car sales, advertising, software, property investment, marketing, web design, writing, and of course, podcasting. My first decade was all about learning, growing, and experiencing things as quickly as I could, and long hours and long odds were frequent bedfellows, I can tell you. When my girls arrived, priorities changed. Sarah popped out just 18 months after Amy, so I soon had a baby and a toddler to support. It would have been easy then to double down on my software career and go hell for leather on that. And I flirted with it briefly for double the money, actually almost triple the money, but I hated it. And I, within a week, I wanted to quit. And I did after a couple of months and I came back to my old employer. Um, But despite all that, I knew that being available for my girls was more important. I resolved then to make them a central focus of my career decisions and to ensure that nothing took me away from them and the attention that I knew they needed. There was one blip. During one of my busiest periods, I took Sarah to a daycare centre, hoping to get a couple of days a week so that I could just get more work done. I remember her sweet little face and the look of abject abandonment as I walked out of the door. I felt morally, criminally culpable. I sat in the car park for about half an hour, hoping that I could muster the will to leave but I couldn't do it. I marched back into the front desk, signed her out of there, and I never went back. I figured she could stay home with me, distractions be damned. I'm sure most of this comes from my dad. See, he was always there for us, and it's the thing that I'm most grateful for. We would get home from school about four o'clock, and within half an hour to an hour, my dad was home too. Thanks to some very deliberate choices that he made, which I'm sure cost him a fortune over the years by not pursuing you know, other projects and by not working on weekends, but through those deliberate choices, he gifted me a wonderful childhood with all the love, attention and mentorship slash mateship that I needed. In fact, that all growing boys need. I really feel for kids with absent fathers and the great losses afforded both the children and the dads. Thing is, you can't postpone childhood, nor can you postpone early parenthood. They both must occur in real time. You can only avoid them, and sadly, many fathers do. 
Now, the only way to build a lasting bond with your children is through the application of time and attention. It isn't enough to be there, you have to be present too. Instead of occasional appearances punctuated with fanfare and gifts, it's actually the slow, steady and consistent presence that really counts. You see, kids don't want performances. They want love, empathy and a steady hand. They want an example to follow. And my mum and dad gave me those, and I've done my best to give the same to my kids. Today, the same principles that cemented the bond between my girls and I apply to my son and I. Despite offers to return to corporate life and opportunities to pursue business ideas with potentially lucrative payoffs, I remain steadfastly committed to seeing my son every day. And I'm not just talking an hour or two before he gets shuffled off to bed, but every morning when I walk him to school and every afternoon when I pick him up again. Most nights we also play together or we watch a movie in our home cinema. We go to bed at the same time and we often giggle ourselves to sleep, just like we did last night. See, I might not be wealthy, but my life is rich beyond measure. And part of this, I think, comes about because I'm convinced that one of the best ways to relate to your kids is to remember that you're still a kid too. Beneath your cynicism, your stresses and responsibilities, you're actually playful, idealistic and curious. You want to laugh at simple things and behave in undignified ways. You're tempted to use silly voices and to yell, Jinx! when appropriate, which with me and Tommy is about 10 times a day. So, you know, be a kid, not all day, but often. There are plenty of opportunities to set an example of adult behavior. But really, part of being an effective adult is remembering who you are. And you are a child in a grown-up body. See, the last thing you want is to wait until you're dying before your kids have a kind word to say about you. You want them to feel loved and understood and appreciated now. And you'll know you're on the right track by how they look at you and how they invite or avoid physical contact. As always, the best way to have this is to give it first. And remember, this isn't a transaction, so don't expect an instant exchange of value or an immediate ROI. Whenever I walk past my kids, I usually pat them on the shoulder or I'll tickle them or stick my finger in their ear, whichever is appropriate. And thankfully, my kids do the same to me. Often they'll give me a bone-crushing hug, or in the case of Tommy, a kick up my ass. It's all welcome and appreciated. Of course, you'll have to adjust your actions to suit your kids. If you have more than one, you'll know that no two kids are the same. In fact, if you have two or more, they're usually completely different. But the thing is, if you're around them enough, and this is why being around is so important, then you'll learn what works and what doesn't. You'll also learn what they need, despite what they're projecting. Because even fiercely independent teenagers still need to be loved. Some things are universal and I believe always apply. Number one is to be around. Because without that, you'll fail. Number two is to listen to them, even if you're bored or you don't agree. And put your damn phone away too. Number three, respect them and their views. You don't have to agree with their views. Because, you know, we were all kids once. But... Respect them and their views and don't preach, but don't let them kill themselves either. I mean, don't just accept everything on face value. And number four, love them, not by saying I love you all the time, but by showing it. And the best way to show it is to go back to points one to three. You know, on this love it, uh, you know, love you thing, I, I, I just see this everywhere and it annoys the crap out of me. It just completely diminishes the value of the words. You know, I see kids that have been brainwashed into just 
parroting back what their mums say. You know, they drop them off at school, love you, love you. You know, it means nothing like that. So I'm a bit big advocate for doing versus saying, um, showing versus parroting. So, you know, love them by how you behave. Um, and that begins with the first three things, is to be around, to listen to them and to respect them. Number five is to be playful. And I reckon kids are a great excuse to revisit who you really are, which, remember, is a child in a grown-up body. And number six, be an example. Don't tell them stuff all the time. Show them how to be a good person and let them adopt the parts that they choose. They don't have to become a mini version of you, you know. I mean, it's like they say, your kids are not yours. They just come through you. Now, I've had 18 years to watch all of this play out, with Amy crossing that threshold to adulthood early this year. And Sarah's not far behind. I mean, she's going to be 17 in a few days' time, and Tommy's going to hit nine in a couple of months. So here's what I know. If I'd have remained in a traditional corporate setting, commuting to work every day, sitting in an office, wearing a suit and all that crap, I would not have connected with my kids the way I have. I'd have been like every other absent dad out there always compensating for my lack of presence with trinkets and an all-too-brief annual holiday. I would have missed school plays, parent-teacher interviews, talks about love interests, discussions on Minecraft mods, kicking a ball in the backyard, fart jokes and movie sessions with popcorn and laughs. I wouldn't have been there to take him to the doctor, to buy sanitary pads, eat hot dogs after school, or deliver a response to some biatch who was bullying my daughter on social media. I wouldn't have had time for any of that. So the question is, how many of these priceless things do we trade just to sit in an office somewhere? How much of what matters do we postpone in pursuit of a title or money or status? I've determined that what I gave up, if I could call it that, has been repaid to me a thousandfold. And I know my dad feels the same way. In fact, I would argue that we're living in a golden era where the, in quotation marks, sacrifices have diminished to a point where, for many professions... They're pretty much non-existent. Today, you can build a career around your life and still enjoy all the money and the status that you think you need. In my opinion, working how, where, and when I want is the ultimate status symbol. The fact that it's also the catalyst for being a better dad, in my view, makes it a deal closer. When I was young, I wanted to be rich, powerful, and envied. Today, I want to pursue things that matter, to have agency over my life, and to be loved by those I care about. I'd say mission accomplished then. Anyway, that's enough for me for this week. Thanks for hanging out with me again on the Office Anywhere podcast. Feel free to write back to me anytime. Um, You'll find contact details for me on the website, officeanywhere.co, and you'll find the blog post that goes along with this episode over at officeanywhere.co slash 97. And while you're there, if you haven't already grabbed yourself a copy, make sure you get the Work Anywhere Trial Guide. Six steps to working and living on your terms. It's free. Just give me your name and your email address and I'll flick it straight across to you. Anyway, thanks again. Until we speak again, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll catch you then. See ya. See ya.